is a special episode of the Australian Citizenship Podcast by SBS Learn English. So, I'd love to begin with a special acknowledgement of country given by Penelope Downey, a Viradjuri Palawa girl. You are do Penelope Downey, Palu do Bara Nubar, Nirbijiliya Padu Viradjuri Palawa, Nadu Padiku Kalpara, Darangu given by Galam, Nangu Garabaga. I'm Josipa Kosanovic and I'm thrilled to be your guide as you learn the information and language needed to become an Australian citizen. But as I said at the start, this episode is special. Australia is sometimes thought of as a young country, but Australia is home to the oldest continuous cultures in the world. This episode is about acknowledging and respecting the people who have called this land home for much longer than any of us, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. The information in this bonus episode isn't all included in the citizenship test, so it is a bit different from the rest of the series. We'll hear from experts and community leaders on the customs and stories of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And we'll learn how new citizens and First Nation cultures can come together. So, if you really want to feel like you belong in this amazing country, keep listening. Um, welcome to country. I'm not really sure about that. Welcome to country is acknowledgement. I believe when someone lands in Australia. What is welcome to country? I have no idea. Welcome to country is um, acknowledging the Aboriginal people and their land. I know welcome to country is something that people do before an important event, but apart from that, sorry, I don't know. As I walked around the streets of Sydney with a microphone in hand, I realized that learning about the First Nations peoples and cultures is not just important for new arrivals like us, but also for many Australians who were born here. So let's start from the beginning. What is a welcome to country? A welcome to country is acknowledging where the elder or the custodian or the traditional owner of that country welcomes you onto their country. It's a bit like border control in that they'll call you in, there might be a smoking ceremony, there might be a water ceremony, there might be a sweat ceremony. It really depends of where you are across Australia. But basically, they're welcoming you onto their lands, they're doing it so you have safe passage on those lands, and they're smoking you for many reasons. It's a cleansing, it's a healing, but also they're ensuring that you smell like all the other groups on that nation 
And that's a way that animals don't um, smell something different and run away and it's got many meanings. But the main thing about Welcome to Country, it is something that we've always practised. We have very many different names for it, but we wanted Australians to understand that this protocol is simply good manners. It's like when you visit someone's house, you will knock on the door before you enter. That was Rhoda Roberts Ayo, a vegetable viable woman from the Bunjalung Nation, who in the 1980s coined the term welcome to country. To coin a term means to create or invent a new word or phrase that becomes widely used and accepted. So when someone coins a term, like Rhoda did, they're essentially creating a new word or expression that did not exist before. Rhoda has spent her career promoting and celebrating the arts and culture of Australia's Indigenous peoples. And in recognition of her work, in 2016, she was appointed as an officer of the Order of Australia. That's one of the highest level of awards that one can get from the Australian government. Rhoda also coined the term calling country. I wonder what that is about. So in the old ways, this is before the arrival of the white man, every nation across Australia would travel to other territories on what we called songlines. And songlines is a song you sing and it's done in different rhythms depending on the landscape. But you're singing, and in that song, it gives you the information of when you reach a certain destination on those lands, it might tell you where the best drinking water source is. It might tell you where there's danger of crocodiles. It might tell you where you can camp for the night. So there are lots of information in the song line. By the time you reach the boundary of another territory or homeland, there's a certain tone in the song line that calls to them. The owners of that country will call back and invite you across the border. And then, of course, they welcome you, you gift them, and then they do the sweat, the cleansing, the water, the smoking ceremony to ensure that you then can travel safely across their country. Besides welcome to country and calling country, what are some cultural practices or key historical events that new citizens should be aware of? Since Federation of 1909 through to 1967, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people were not counted on our national census. We were actually counted with the sheep and the flora. And in 1967, there was a referendum that asked Australians to vote yes for Aborigines. 93.7% of Australians ticked the yes box, which meant that we became citizens of our country. I hope you were paying attention to what Rhoda said about the 1967 referendum, because it could come up in your citizenship test. And if you're not sure about what a referendum is and what's required to change the Australian constitution, 
check out our video series on Australian citizenship or listen to the other episodes from this series. But don't leave just yet though, because an exciting conversation with two Wiradjuri warriors is coming your way. When people just mention about First Nation of the country, I think the first thing come to my mind is gratitude. I know that they helped build this country and they are not appreciated a lot. I know that there is many, many different language groups. I know that there are different totemic identities associated with each mob. I know how the Australian culture sees them at the moment. I know what actions are done to rectify what's happened. Um, but outside of that, not so much. First of all, I don't think all of us know enough. We're not taught enough when we're younger. It's not cool. We all know Australia is a country rich in cultural diversity, with people from a wide range of ethnic backgrounds and beliefs. This year, I celebrated Diwali, Ramadan, Lunar Year and Easter. I mean, how amazing is that? But there's something else that makes the country we want to call home special. Our First Nations peoples have history and tradition that spans over 60,000 years. And learning about their culture cannot be done anywhere else in the world. With me in the studio are Angeline Penrith and Luke Carroll, whom you might know from TV shows and movies like Australian Rules, Red for Now, Mother Mountain, Black Comedy and much, much more. Hi, guys. Thank you for joining me. Hey, Mob. You're a Dumarong, you mob, and we've got two Wiradjuri warriors here yep. with you, Yosipa, proud Wiradjuri people, and we just want to acknowledge that we're on Camaragal country of the Aurora Nation here in Morang, which is the traditional name of Sydney. So uh, pleased to be here with you in, in the yeah. studio. Thank you. And what was that salute that you gave us at the beginning? Can you repeat it? Yeah, Yira Dumarong, which is a Wiradjuri word for good day. Awesome. Yeah. Well, together recently we made a video series for people who want to become Australian citizens. Yeah, it was a good experience, informative for myself. Yeah, the booklet Outcome on Bond provides basically an overview of Australian history and values and customs and also the government. So, but it contains very little information about us, First Nations people and our culture. So that's the reason why we decided to make this podcast. And it's great to be included. And in your opinion, what is important for new citizens to learn about First Nations peoples and cultures in Australia? Well, I think what's very important is the, the history of our First Nations people in this country. You know, we are the longest continuing culture in the world. We've been here for over 65,000 plus years, which is a very, very, very long time. And, <laughs> you know, we'll be here for another 65,000 years. So it's, Minimum. It's minimum, that's right. Also, the ongoing impacts of colonisation since 1788 and the effects that still are around for us as a people, and also the diversity of the cultures and languages within our own culture. There are so many different languages in our culture. Do we know how many? Over 500, over 500 plus, oh. yeah. But a lot of those have been lost due to colonisation, so that's the impacts that we need our citizens coming to the country to learn about. But our own language, Wiradjuri language, has been revived, and yes. Uncle Stan Grant Senior has done a great job with that, so... Yeah, we just want our new citizens to know about that. 
That's right. We come from the Wiradjuri people, one of the largest nations, and we're reviving culture ourselves, getting back to our essence and our roots. So when we talk about culture, it's just as important as religion or a government infrastructure to us. So whether it's a lot of themes that you will hear is um, connection to country, kingship, and elders are the first couple of words that you will hear a lot when you come into contact with First Nations mob in Australia. Our elders are like the big boss. They're our caretakers, caretakers, our, you know, mentors. Anything of authority would probably come under our elders' guidance, yeah. To become an Australian citizen, migrants need to learn about the Australian government, its legal system, core values and customs. But First Nations peoples also have laws that govern social behaviour and relationships, right? Yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> we say law, but it's spelled L-O-R-E, as you said. And we were able to survive for so long maintaining these special laws within our culture. And when the first settlers came here, they said this was a wasteland, terra nullis, but that was so much far from the facts. You know, we had a hierarchy placed in system. We had laws and customs in place that still stand to this day. And those laws and traditions and customs were, you know, passed down through song, through dance, through spoken word from our elders down to our younger people. And then that generation moved up and it passed down again and again and again over all those thousands of years. And it continues to this day. And you now we Can you that. give us some example of Yep. So there you know, there are men's and women's business that happens in our culture. So you know, I've been lucky enough to go out into you know, remote communities where it's still practiced really strongly. And, you know, you had your men business and I, you can't talk too much about it because it's culturally <laughs> disrespectful mm-hmm. too. And, but it's basically, you know, you, you, you become a man, you go through your journey as a man, a male in Aboriginal culture, you go on a journey with the elders, the male elders, and you go on country and you go through certain things through, through like processes. Like initiation? Initiation, that's correct, yeah. So becoming initiation into manhood and that's done with just, you know, the men of the group. You go out in the country for weeks on end and you go through a process of that. And then you know, the women have their own processes as well. There's also men's and women's business areas on the land that men can't go to and women can't go to. And for instance, women's business places is where you know, women give birth birthplace and stuff so men aren't allowed out onto women's business areas and vice versa for the men so Angeline is there anything about women's business that you can share with us I mean pretty much similar um you will have an initiation process you will go bush um the elders will decide I mean you could go out for a period of time and come back and if the elders don't feel like you have a transformed, changed or whatever, you will be sent out again. You know, they're similar, but just, you know, a male and a female version of the process. Yes. I think it's called Daruk. The Daruk people lived on the country of where I'm from. I don't know about their Aboriginal name, but I'll learn more about my history. (laughs) I do not know the name of the Aboriginal country that I live on. The Aboriginal name of the country is Terrace Nullis, I think. I do not know the Aboriginal name of the country I live on. Is it important to learn the Aboriginal name of the country in which we live and work? Yeah, because it's the least you can do. <laughs> it's like knowing the capital 
of Australia, you know. <laughs> it's just as important going forward and engaging with First Nations mob. That's just, you know. The basic. Basics, yeah. Yeah, most definitely because, you know, we talk about the effects of colonisation and most of the names that are given to areas in this country are non-traditional names. So we're reclaiming that as well. I know there are a lot of suburbs in Sydney that have got uh, traditional Aboriginal names already, like Coogee and Bondi, Maroubra. But we want more of those to be, you know, we want our capital cities to be known in their traditional names. Let's talk about some terms that have different meaning in Western and traditional custodian terminology. Yes, let's talk about that. <laughs> so um, the word custodian in Western English cultures could mean, you know, responsible for taking care, managing something such as property collections, you know, like a caretaker. But it's much more in depth than that for First Nations culture. You know, um, it's a highly responsible Probably one of the most highest, you know, um, statuses within First Nations to be a custodian. You have responsibility for land, for how culture is run, for the community. Is custodian normally an elderly person or age is not important? No, I mean, age is not important. I mean, even through ceremony, so to become a woman or a man, it's in modern context, there are people that, haven't been through it and at 30 have went back through ceremony. So that might give you a glimpse on how Aboriginal culture is not necessarily bound by age. It's about the right person. And it's our elders who choose that person, don't they, who show yes. a responsibility yep. within our society. They go, okay, he's a, a good young person that's going to come through or she is yeah. a good young person coming through. We're going to give them the knowledge for them to be the custodians of our story and our culture moving forward for the next generation. Yeah, And it's also because First Nations people die 20 years before everyone else. So we just don't have the luxury of having a lot of elders or reaching a certain age. So you will become a woman or a man before most of other cultures will. Another term that uh, we often hear when interacting with First Nations peoples is uncle and auntie. Oh, yes, we hear it a lot. <laughs> and cuz. Yeah, and cuz. <laughs> and brother, sister. Sister, <laughs> sis, brother. Sister <laughs> girl, yeah. brother boy. <laughs> in my culture, uncle and auntie is normally someone that you are related to. It's like sister or brother of your parents or their husband and wife. But for you, it's a bit different, right? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone we're blood related to. It's a respect thing and also that cultural thing that we're all never really separated, do you know, like you belong, you know, so I could travel on someone else's country and they'd be, hey, niece, make me a cup of tea, you know. Yeah, Arnie, that's right. So, yeah, it's just a way of looking at our mob and playing respects to them, yeah. You mentioned before the word kinship. Yeah. That stands for social ties, relationships based on blood, marriage and adoption. Yes. It's very much, kinship's very much intricate to our culture. So how to describe it in a colonial sense is is a little bit difficult um, <laughs> because basically kinship, is the infrastructure of how families or mob or groups are run. Yes. And, like, you would rarely ever hear First Nations mob say step. 
Yes, no, no it's never. not in our vocabulary. No. So Stepbrother or stepsister, yeah. yeah. You know, that's that kingship. But yeah. we're closer than that. Like, you always bring mob, family, auntie, kingships. We're here. In Aboriginal family and culture, we have extended family. Sometimes, you know, we get adopted as such by the extended family. You know, we may have someone that we call mum that's not our mum, but out of respect we do that because they've had a big impact on our lives or auntie or uncle who aren't blood-related. But out of that respect for what they've done to us in that extended family unit, we call them uncle and auntie. And um, it's, like I said, it's very much respectful when you call someone that. It comes from a place of big and deep respect. Yeah. Talking about respect, what is something that we sh- as migrants should keep in mind when interacting with First Nations peoples? If you want to ask any questions about us, the best place to get your information from is from an Aboriginal person. So yeah. I don't think if you come up to an Aboriginal person and you know ask questions, we can educate you about whatever questions you have, knowing that it may be slightly disrespectful or may not, but we can understand that you may not, may not have had a big education about us. Just be open. Try not to approach questions that are, you know, in and around misconceptions and stereotypes. But it's okay because most First Nations mob are open to dialogue of any sorts generally. You know, we're very open people. But I would just say be mindful of some of the misconceptions you might get around First Nations mob and, yeah, just be open and so will we. Yeah, but do ask questions. Yeah, yeah we, we love Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we love to we educate love people. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We love a yarn. And especially, you know, with our, like I said earlier, we live in such a multicultural, you know, country. And, you know, we're learning as Aboriginal people about the other cultures in the country coming yeah. in. So it'll be a two-way street. Yeah. You know, you may have several questions but we may have several questions about you and your exactly. culture as well. So it's a beautiful, it can be a beautiful conversation. Yeah. Angeline and Luke do love a good yarn. Yarn is a word you often hear among First Nations peoples, and to have a yarn means to have a chat. Angeline also mentioned misconceptions and stereotypes. These are commonly held beliefs that are not entirely true or are based on limited or false information. By challenging misconceptions and stereotypes and advocating for Indigenous rights, we can help to create a more inclusive society. And as migrants, isn't that something we can benefit from as well? Rhoda Roberts says that learning about First Nations peoples can also help us get a better sense of belonging in Australia. I think learning about our cultures makes you learn about the country and I'm talking about the landscape, the places you'll be living. There's so much history and some incredible stories and you'll often hear the stories of how the river was formed or how the mountains were formed. And it really tells you about where you're living. Hearing the language of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are also referred to as First Nations validates that their language holds a lot of their religion and their rituals. Like any sector of society, we have our leaders, we have our religious leaders, we have our workers, we have industry and resource. 
and like all other sectors of society, we have very many different opinions. We um, have issues from substance abuse to domestic violence, um, the everyday issues of social media in the 21st century. So when you arrive, look at us. It's a bit like same, same, but different. Aboriginal people have had a devastating history. Our children were taken. That occurred in many places. In many areas, we were at war with the arrival of the pioneers. In many places, there was uh, good people, whether they were white or black, and there were good people who forged relationships. So there's the good and the bad, but when you are here and you see an Aboriginal person, they want to embrace you because our theory is you come to country here, you're part of us. And our philosophy about the land that we live on is about us caretaking it and nurturing it. And with that nurturing, we also extend and embrace the people who live on our country. And we ask them, can you afford the land the same love that you would afford your mother? As we conclude this episode, I leave you with Rhoda's thought-provoking question. Can you afford the land the same love that you would afford your mother? This question can help us reflect on our connection to our new home, its history and its First Nations peoples. If we are keen to learn. I would like to learn more about First Nation people. I would like to learn in the future about First Nation peoples and cultures. I would want to learn more about them. Oh, I would definitely love to know more things about Aboriginal culture and, yeah, Aboriginal people. I would like to learn more about First People, Nations and Cultures. I would definitely want to learn <laughs> about the land that I'm living in right now. I want to extend special thanks to our expert, Rhoda Roberts, for her invaluable contribution. We also want to acknowledge the voices of Virajuri warriors Luke Carroll and Angeline Penrith, who offered their perspectives and personal experiences. I'm Josipa Kusanovic, and I wrote and produced this episode. SBS Learn English Program Manager is Janine Gugan. Our Head of Planning is Pamela Cook. Max Gosford was in charge of sound design, and our team music was composed by Rick Bull. We couldn't have made this series happen without the amazing support and insights from our awesome colleagues, Claudiana Bianco and Caroline Gates. Big shout out to them. Remember, to stay curious and continue exploring everything Australia has to offer. Catch you on the next adventure. Thank you for learning with me. SBS Learn English helps Australians to speak, understand and connect.